podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Two Footed Podcast on Friday, the 22nd of July, brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network will allow you to go online, change your location, access things you geoblock from, while also keeping your data safe. So go to libertyshield.com and use the code EPL25, that's EPL25, to get 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops that you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 and RED10 to get 10% off at checkout. Uh, Still not feeling great today, folks. Uh, Still testing negative, though, so that's a good thing. But my voice is a bit, well, you can hear it. So. no exuberance today uh, is the is the order of the day. What I wanted to do today was take a look at some of the clubs who I think their fan bases should probably be starting to get a little bit worried about the lack of activity and the performance level in preseason. Now you never take too much from a preseason friendly in terms of results. But performances are important. And I think Everton fans really need to start getting worried about the season ahead. So thus far, the only signing has been James Tarkovsky. And they obviously lost Richarlison. So they've improved defensively, but they've taken a massive step back in attack. Nobody else has arrived. They clearly need at least three starters in, two in midfield and the Richarlison replacement, as long as as well as some depth up front. So I still have them needing five signings. And some of the names that have been linked with the club are not exactly ones that would inspire confidence. And when we take a look at the results in preseason and the performances, it's really concerning. So they've played two preseason games. Arsenal beat them 2-0. And it was an Arsenal team where they started very, very strong and then rotated everybody. And to be fair, Everton did as well. Everton played a 5-4-1, a really defensive 5-4-1. In a preseason game, that's concerning to me. Uh, created... Very, very little. Only two shots on target in the game and were comfortably beaten 2-0. Then they played Minnesota United and were beaten 4-0. And to be honest, they were absolutely dominated in pretty much every sense. Now, Delielli did miss a big chance. That, That is true. But that's not why they lost the game. 
tactically, they were completely inept. Lampard sent them out to play with Michael Keane and Tarkovsky as a pairing at centre-back, and he's done that in both games. Those two have played together. That's a pairing that's going to have you in trouble because there's no pace there at all. It's got to be Godfrey and Tarkovsky. It has to be Godfrey and Tarkovsky, or they're going to have major problems this season. So you look at the lack of performance, the lack of movement in the transfer market. You look at last season and just how terrible they were. You look at the manager. Does he inspire? Not really. First of all, he refuses to accept any blame for anything that's going on. Everything is somebody else's fault. Everything is on the players. Secondly, his track record is failure at Derby, failure at Chelsea. And let's not pretend he did a great job at Everton. I mean, he took Everton from where they were and finished a position lower. He had them in the bottom three at one point. He saved them from the mess of his own making. Um, I would be really concerned about Everton. And when we take a look at their squad... There's clearly talent there, but there's just so much missing. There's so much lacking that when you really dig into it, you start to have a tough time seeing how they can stay up without serious movement in the transfer market. Like the goalkeepers, Pickford. I mean, I know he's England's number one, but We've all watched him play. He concedes far too many goals. He makes far too many errors. He's far too inconsistent and unreliable to be a top goalkeeper. So you've got that. You've got Begovic as the backup. He's just not very good. Uh, In defence, Nathan Patterson's a player I do like, and I think you've got promise with him at right back. And I think you're fine if you're just using Seamus Coleman as a backup in that role for the season ahead. Michael Enko's not really a left-back. He's a left-sided centre-back in a three. But in a back four, as a left-back, yeah, absolutely fine. As long as you're happy for him to primarily be a defensive player, that's absolutely fine. And then you've got Niels Nkunku as a backup. Now, the problem there is he's a completely different profile of player to Michael Anko. He's a much more attacking player than Michael Anko is. Uh, in the middle, you've got Godfrey, you've got Tarkovsky, you've got Holgate, you've got Keane, and you've got Mina. So defensively, you're probably fine. You probably don't need to do anything else now. That defence under a good manager could absolutely be solid enough to stay up. The problem is it's not under a good manager. And Lampard's approach to improving his defence is to throw another defender in there to go from a back four to a back five. He's one of them. You can always tell a spoofer when their path to fixing a defence is to just throw another one in. Now, it's different at certain clubs. Certain clubs just don't have the centre-backs to play a back four. Like Chelsea, for example, in recent years haven't had the centre-backs to play a back four. Silva, Rudiger, they couldn't play in a four. They're back three defenders at this point. Christensen could have, but Tuchel was forced to play the back three. 
Same thing goes for wolves. At Wolves, you have Romain, you had Romain Sice, who was a midfielder who got converted to a defender, and Connor Cody the same. Neither of them can play in a back four. So Nuno had been playing the back three, and when Bruno Lage took over, he had no real choice but to stick with the back four. Now, with Nathan Collins in now, he has Collins and Kilman, both of whom can be outstanding in a four, so he could move to a back four with those two, with Aitnuri and um, Semedo as the fullbacks. But he's last season was forced into the back three. Lampard does it by choice because he doesn't know how to make his defence better. He doesn't improve players as defensive players. He can give good advice to attack-minded players because he knows what that's about. But defensively, he's lost and he's just not a good coach. In midfield, you've got Alan, who's passed his best. Dekure, who's a good player. Andre Gomes, who's a decent player. Uh, Gabaman, who's a good player, is just always injured. Tom Davies, who his career has badly stagnated. He needs to leave Everton and go somewhere else and hope that he can recapture what he was as a young player when he looked like he was going to be a big, big talent. And then Deli Ali, who's not necessarily a midfielder he's more of a 10 but Dakure is the only one there who's a starter Gabaman can't be trusted to be a starter because of the injuries Alan has passed his best Gomes is just not good enough to start on a regular basis for a team with any kind of ambition and I think the same goes for Tom Davies and Everton I think he could be a starter elsewhere but not at Everton it's just it's gone too far there's too much rot in that at the minute so you need to buy a starting midfielder. You just need to buy at least one starting midfielder. If you're playing a two-man midfield, you've got Dekure, you need to buy one next to him. If you're playing a three-man midfield, you need to buy two, a holding midfielder and someone who can be a controller and let Dekure play box-to-box. Uh, in attack, you've got Calvert-Lewin, who's very, very good, but you've got Rondon, who's not very good. Not at this point. Not a Premier League striker at this point. So you've got to get a backup striker in. You've got Damari Gray and Anthony Gordon. I think you can play one of them. I don't think you should play both of them. I don't think you get enough out of them. So say those two rotate in one wing position and you need someone to play the other wing you, because that was Richarlison's position and you need to buy a replacement. Now, they've been linked to Max Cornet. They've been linked to Emmanuel Dennis. It remains to be seen what money there is to spend because as of now, they've spent nothing. Tarkovsky arrived on a, on a Bosman. So other than the, the signing fee, which they may well spread across his contract, they haven't spent anything. But between the lack of movement, the, the three starters they need, plus two important depth pieces, the lack of a good manager what we saw from them last season, I'd be really, really concerned if I was an Everton fan. I'd be really concerned. Uh, They're not the only ones, though. I'd be getting a little bit concerned about the lack of movement in the transfer market if I was a Brighton fan. Now, they did bring in Nciso and they did bring in Adringa, but they're two young players unlikely to make any impact, and Adringa's gone on loan for the coming season. Now, 
there are reports that they're trying to sign Florian Grilich, who's a very good defensive midfielder, uh, on a Bosman from Hoffenheim. He'd be a very good addition, come in to replace Basuma, but you still need a starting centre-back, and I still don't understand why they sold Ostergaard. You still need a starting striker. You need depth at right wing back, and you need one more centre-back after that, unless you're going to move to a back four, which seems unlikely. Now, they're also potentially going to need a new left wing back if they sell Mark Cucurella. Now, City's first bid, obviously, was well under what Brighton are looking for, but it would be no surprise to see City come back and pay the 50-odd million asking price because City, it's generally what they do. They don't... As much as they might like to think they're the smartest group in the room, um, they don't generally display that they're the smartest group in the room. Now, their pre-season is going fairly well. They drew with St. Gilles, who's the, the team that Tony Bloom owns in um, Belgium. They beat Astral Perea. They're playing Reading tomorrow. Uh, then they play Brentford in a friendly Espanyol in a friendly, and then they open the season obviously at Manchester United. So they don't have the concerns of Everton in terms of the performances on the pitch. They don't have the concerns with the manager because they've got a really good manager. But last season, Brighton achieved something that they've set out to do. They finished in the top half of the Premier League for the first time. And they'll want to build on that. And their fans will want them to build on that. But as things stand, they've taken a step backwards. Because Basuma is gone. Nobody is yet in to replace him. They could lose Cucurella. And they haven't improved their starting eleven. So my hope is that we'll see them start to get their act together in the coming weeks. But things are getting tight. The league starts in a couple of weeks. And you need five players. Three of them are starters. Now, you may look may look at it and say, Moises Casado is going to walk in and be a starter. It's a lot of pressure to put on a young player. I'd be concerned if I was a Brighton fan. Crystal Palace, I'd be quite happy, though. My little worry there is that they're basically having two preseason camps. And it just doesn't seem ideal that half their players are in one place and the other half are somewhere else. So that's a little bit of a concern for me. Leicester City, I would be very concerned. They lost to Notts County and were really, really poor. They drew with Leuven and were, I thought, very poor in the game. And then they did beat Hull 4-0. Congrats, you you beat up a team who, Peyton, they aren't very good. Um, and we'll be playing in the championship next season. Leicester haven't done anything in the transfer window yet. Brendan Rodgers spoke a few weeks back, or a few weeks before the end of the season, about the need for a substantial shakeup. He then sort of walked that back, but they've done nothing. They haven't really been linked to anybody. There's been talk of a few sales. Um, there's been talk of selling Ian Acho, uh, Sumare, Tielemans. But then all of these players will have to be replaced and you're not addressing 
the weaknesses. You're not addressing that starting centre-back that you so desperately need or that potential right winger that you may well need as well. So I would be a little bit concerned. I'd be concerned as well about Rodgers and whether or not it's just time to move on from him. I think he's the type of manager that has a shelf life because his personality is quite grating. I think players probably start to tune him out. And we saw it at Liverpool after about two and a half years, the players just started to tune him out. And even though he managed to keep his job into a third, into a fourth season, uh, it was clear the players were done with him. Celtic, it was very much the same thing. He did two years there where everything was rosy. And in the third year, things started to go badly. Uh, not on the pitch, not on the pitch, but there was a lot of talk off the pitch about players just having had enough of the Brendan Rodgers experience, um, certain clashes of personality. And he left as soon as that Leicester job came up. Now, he's been at Leicester for just under two and a half years. He's actually managed the same amount of games for Leicester as he did for Celtic and three games more than he did at Liverpool. Now, at Liverpool, he didn't have European football to deal with in one of the seasons, which is, was part of it. 166 games at Liverpool, 169 for Celtic and Leicester. He said better cup runs at Celtic and Leicester as well than he did at Liverpool. But by this point, at both of those clubs, they had tuned him out. And I think, actually, he's been, no, he's longer. He's longer at, at Leicester, isn't he? He has to be. He has to be. Took over in February 2019, says so the 1920 season, the 2021 and the 2122. So he's had three and a bit years. Whereas at Celtic, he had like two and three quarter seasons. At Leicester now, it's three and a quarter seasons. I, I think the players have probably just tuned him out. I think last season, even with the injuries, I think we saw that his methods weren't working. We saw how poor they were in the league. We saw the failures in Europe again. I know they got uh, a good run late in the Conference League, but like they flopped out in the group stage of the Europa League. In a group, they should have won. Like Napoli should not be better than them. Spartak should not be better than them. And then they got a fairly favourable draw in the Conference League, Randers, Wren, PSV Eindhoven, their teams Leicester should be beating. The first good team they faced was Roma. Like, don't get me wrong, Wren are fun to watch. PSV are fun to watch. They're not as good as Leicester. But the first team they faced on their own level was Roma, and out they went. You look at the league, like, just lots of bad results. Losing... Losing home to an Arsenal team that were all over the place. Uh, the draw at home to Burnley. Losing to Aston Villa. 
losing at home to Spurs when you're 2-0 up or 2-1 up with 60 seconds left. Um, there's just a lot of bad results there. Losing away to Newcastle is a bad result. A lot of draws. Didn't really, who did they beat that was good last year? They beat Wolves on the opening day. They got completely outplayed. They beat Norwich, who went down. They beat a bad Man United team. They beat Brentford, who were mid-table. They beat a bad Watford team, bad Newcastle team. They did beat Liverpool, to their credit. They did beat Liverpool in one of the freak occasions of the season where they were missing everybody and Liverpool were awful. Um, beat Burnley, who went down. Leeds, who were awful. Brentford, who were you know relegation contenders at one point. Uh, they beat Palace, who finished bottom half. So their only win over a top-half team, they've two. Oh, yeah, two. Manchester United and Liverpool. Oh, and Wolves. Wolves, who finished 10th. So three wins from 20 games against top-half teams. It's not exactly ideal. I'd be concerned if I was a Leicester fan. The lack of movement is, is worrying. I'd be concerned about a bit about transfers if I was a Man United fan as well. Um, now, the preseason has looked fairly promising for them, but don't really like the business so far. Malasia, he's a good player. He's a young player, but 15 million for a player you didn't need. Uh, Lisandro Martinez, I'd be really concerned if I just paid 55 million to bring in him as a centre-back to play in the back four. If he's a defensive midfielder, I'm not, not as concerned. Um, but the Frankie De Jong thing is a mess. You still haven't addressed your, your right back. If, if Martinez is your centre-back, which I did, did think they need, I just wouldn't have bought him for that role, um, then who's your holding midfielder? Because it can't be Frankie De Jong. It just cannot be... Frankie de Jong. Now, I do like the Ericsson addition for them, not so much for him, uh, just because I think he's a very good player. But at the same time, like, is it a sensible signing? Is it one that really fills their need, fills a need for them? I, I just don't feel like it is. Um, it's hard to know what United are doing these days. I mean, they obviously went for Darwin Nunes, got turned down, and now apparently they don't want a striker, which is just weird. Just really, really weird. The last one of last season's teams that I'd be a bit, be a bit concerned about is just Wolves, because, again, I had them needing quite a lot. If you're playing a back five, you needed two starting centre-backs, starting holding midfielder to partner Neves and a right winger and a striker. As Thus far, you've brought in one centre-back. So for Wolves, I just think, are they going to leave Bruno Lage short again? Because they did it last season and he overachieved. Now they've got Adama Traore back. I mean, I don't know that he's going to play. Raul Jimenez has looked better in preseason than he did last season. He's not wearing the protective headgear by the looks of things, so we'll wait and see how he does. Uh, but I'd be I'd be a little bit concerned if I was a Wolves fan about the lack of of action so far on the transfer scene. 
And then of the newly promoted teams, I'm very concerned about Fulham. They seem to be messing about quite a bit on players that, I mean, aren't the be-all and end-all. Like Bernard Leno is not the be-all and end-all of goalkeepers. You've heard me mention Predrag Rajkovic on this podcast a bunch of times. He's moving to Mallorca for five million. He's a better goalkeeper than Bernard Leno, who Arsenal won 12 million for. There's been Strakosha was available on a Bosman. He's a better goalkeeper than Bernard Leno. Ariola, West Ham signed him for nine million. He's a better goalkeeper than Bernard Leno. So I don't know why they're getting themselves hung up on certain players. I like the addition of Paulinha. I think Pereira could be interesting, but they still need a starting keeper, a starting right back, a starting centre back, a backup left back, a backup centre back, and one more in attack. And that's a lot to still need at this point. And it looks like they're going to do what they ended up doing the last two times they were up, which is late in the window, they'll start panicking and they'll bring in a random mishmash of players and throw it all together and hope that the manager can make it work. And I'm a little bit concerned about Bournemouth because I like the Joe Rothwell signing. I think it's a very clever signing. I'm not a fan of Ryan Fredericks. And if he's coming in to be your starting right back, I think you've got problems. No movement at centre-back, no movement in the winger they need. No movement in the backup left-back or backup keeper they need. No money spent. I mean, you're newly promoted to the Premier League. You're not going to spend any money. You've brought in two lads on Bosman's. Is there money to spend? Have belts been tightened that much at Bournemouth? I mean, they went and spent a sizable amount in January on loan fees and permanent deals to get themselves up. And now they're in the Premier League, they're not spending anything. That's strange to me. I'd be, I'd be concerned. Now, again, as with Everton, this wouldn't be a manager that I'd, I'd have a whole bunch of faith in. But I will say I'd have more faith in him than in... Lampard, because at least I've seen him achieve something. I've seen him get promoted twice. Um, we haven't seen that from, from Frank. Their preseason, they beat Sheffield Wednesday. They lost to Braga. Um, no, no shame in losing to Braga. Braga are a good team. Uh, they play Bristol tomorrow. Real Sausalad on the 30th. And then they play Aston Villa in their first league game. So two preseason games left. But August 6th is coming quickly and you still have a lot of work to do. Same thing with Fulham, a lot of work to do. Wolves, Leicester don't have a lot of work to do, but it is just a bit concerning that they've done nothing so far. And again with Brighton, I just don't want to see them take a step back. They'll be fine. They're not in risk of going down. I don't think Wolves are either, but you know, you want to, you want to be moving forward. You don't want to be taking backward steps. Everton, I'd be very, very concerned. Fulham, I'd be very, very concerned. And I'd be very, very concerned if I was a Bournemouth fan as well. Right, I am going to take a break. And when we come back, we will run through the news, run through the gossip and be done nice and early today. Um, Seen a few.
Right, welcome back. So, former Liverpool goalkeeper Chris Kirkland has spoken up about his painkiller addiction. He says he was addicted to painkillers or has been addicted to painkillers for the best part of a decade. He tells BBC Radio Manchester how the issue spiralled out of control and how he would not be here today if he hadn't broken his, his silence. Do give that piece a read. It's very, very interesting. Very good to see him speak out in such a brave way. Uh, Brentford completed the signing of Ben Mee on a two-year contract coming in on a free transfer from Burnley. I like that one. I think he's a, a solid addition. Can be a starter for them if needed, but I think primarily you'd want him as a backup centre-back. Um, remains to see how fit he is, obviously, after the the injury he had last season, but he'll bring experience and, and leadership to that team, which is something they have been needing. Raphael Varane says he has no regrets over his move to Old Trafford. Um, I mean, he's hardly going to say anything else, is he? When he's got a long contract at the club, he's not going to say, oh yeah, no, I regret this. I should have stayed where I was. Just It's always silly when pieces like this get put out. Uh, Uwe Seeler, the great German player, has passed away at the age of 85. Um, he played 72 times for the German national team, scored 43 goals, uh, spent his professional career with Hamburg, 404 goals in 476 games in the Bundesliga, 590, sorry, 490 in 580 across all competitions, came out of retirement six years later, to play one game for Cork Celtic and scored two goals in the game at the ripe old age of 42. Uh, Pele named him as one of the 100 greatest living players back in 2004. He was a World Cup runner-up in 96, third-place finisher in 70, won the German f- football championship in 1960, it's before it became the Bundesliga uh, won a German Cup in 63, third place in the Ballon d'Or in 1960, German Football of the Year in 60, 64 and 70. I was reserved for the FIFA 11 in 1963, Bundesliga top scorer in 64, FIFA World Cup All-Star in 66, Bundesliga team of the season in 70, part of that FIFA 100. He's a member of the German sports Hall of Fame, and he was presented with the Silver Laurel Leaf, which is which was one of the highest honours a German athlete could receive. Uh, an all-time great player who, like I said, was largely a one-club one man, uh, passed away at the age of 85. Brighton have rejected Manchester City's opening bid for Cucurella. I mentioned that earlier. They've bid 30 million and Brighton want over 50. Uh, looks like Luis Suarez could be heading to Uruguay, going back to play for Nacional. That's the, the strong growing rumour at the moment. And Nacional fans have gone above and beyond. 20,000 of them wore Luis Suarez masks at a game yesterday. 
they are desperate to have him come home. It would be, I'd, I'd love to see it. I don't know that he's, like he's never really spoken about going back to Uruguay to finish off his career. And I think a, a big assumption was he would do one more year in Europe and then go to MLS. But it does seem that he is maybe, maybe starting to inch towards a move home to Nationale where he began his career back in 2005. Suarez made his debut 18 years ago. It's been around a long, long time. And obviously he has been an absolutely incredible footballer. Very good for Nationale, very good for Groningen. Great for Ajax, great for Liverpool, great for Barcelona, great for Atletico Madrid, and obviously uh, the greatest Uruguayan player of all time. So interesting to see if he does uh, go home to play for Nacional. Uh, Roma, having completed the signing of Dybala, are now targeting Dan Axel Zagadou and uh, Ginny Wijnaldum. Wijnaldum on a loan, Zagadou on a Bosman. Uh, Hoffenheim are set to sign Liverpool, former Liverpool centre-back Ozan Kabak for £7 million. Uh, Chelsea feel like they're closing in on Jules Koundé, but there is still a lot of smoke that Barcelona, having triggered the next economic lever, as they've called it, uh, will now jump back in and match the offer of £55 million. Um, if Chelsea sign him, they're committing to playing a back three. So Kunde's great. He's an outstanding defender, but he's a back three centre-back in the Premier League. So him, Koulibaly, and potentially Presnel Kimbembe. So a back three that would go by KKK at Chelsea. Comprise the three black players. There's a joke there, but I'm going to pass it up. Uh, let's move on. West Ham are working on deals for both Gianluca Scamica and Philippe Kostic. So David Rom was their top choice at left back, but he looks like he's going to RB Leipzig. And Philippe Kostic is the one that they have decided to go for instead. Now, I really like Philippe Kostic. He's a great cross for the ball. Might be the best left-footed cross for the ball in the world. But as a fullback, I'd have questions. I really would. Now, if he's playing fullback behind Fornals, I think that can work because Fornals works really hard and will give him cover. But it is still a bit of an odd fit. But his crossing, Shkamaka up front, that could be unbelievable. Uh, they're still trying to get the deal done for Brogia as well. It looks like they want the two strikers, and maybe they're going to play both of them up front. So Bowen plays right, Fornals left, the two up front, Rice and Suchek in the middle of the park. That could be very, very interesting. Could be very, very interesting. Let's just do the gossip and be done for the day. Barcelona will make a final attempt to sign Jules Koundé, despite acknowledging they're unable to match Chelsea's 55 million bid. They can find ways to, to match it. They 
you know, maybe they spread the payments over longer, whatever. Uh, Sevilla and Chelsea have agreed a fee for Kunde, but yeah, see, he turned up unannounced at Sevilla's pre-season tour, which apparently Barca were pushing him to do to sort of delay things and let them get their ducks in a row. Uh, Barca will turn to America Laporte if they fail to sign Kunde. I have my doubts. Man City will make an improved improved offer for Mark Cucurella, but have other other options if a fee cannot be agreed. I'd like to see them go for, maybe go for uh, Gea from Valencia. Similar player, similar type of player, a little bit older, but similar level. Um, Manchester United and Chelsea are competing to sign Benjamin Pavard. Again, he's not really a centre-back in a four. He's a right-back in a four. So he'd make sense for Chelsea if they're sticking to a three, but not if they sign Kunde. Uh, doesn't really make sense for United at all. Uh, Manchester City have been offered Benfica's Spanish fullback Alejandro Grimaldo as an alternative option to Cucurella. He's a good player, but he has, he has stagnated over the last two, three years. His time to leave was probably... 2020, probably the summer for him to leave uh, Benfica. He's been there now six years and he was tremendous for a few years, but he, he did sort of hit a wall in his development. Um, Nottingham Forest are exploring a deal for Emmanuel Dennis. Borussia Dortmund are weighing up a move for Luis Suarez. That's been dismissed today by a couple of different journalists. Chelsea are struggling to attract bids for Kepa and Timo Werner because of their wage demands. They are also finding it difficult to offload players such as Nietzsche Batshuayi and Ross Barkley. Um, how long do those players have left on their contracts? Nietzsche's contract must be up soon enough. 2023. Yeah, he might be one they just lose on a free. I'd imagine Barkley's probably 2023 as well. Uh, they might just have to loan these players out and just cut their losses. Try and get a, a you know, couple million loan fee. Yeah, Barkley's 2023 as well. Uh, Kepa has three years left in his deal. And I would imagine Werner probably has three years left as well. Um, Timo Werner contract until 2025. Yeah, three years left. So it is going to be very hard to move them on because they're on huge wages. Um, West Ham would prefer to sign Ben Breerton Diaz than Dwight McNeil, although Crystal Palace could move for the English winger. I'm not sure where Ben Breerton Diaz would impact Dwight McNeil because they play totally different positions. I would say Ben Breerton Diaz might be their plan B if they can't get Armando Brogia, uh, because there's quite similarities, quite a lot of similarities in how those two play. Um, I, I want to see Dwight McNeil get a move somewhere. I don't really mind where, as long as it's a, a good club with a good coach. Uh, AC Milan, Aaron talks with Tottenham over Jaffa Tanganga and a potential loan move for Pape Matar Sar. I don't know why Spurs would loan Matar Sar. I would rather keep him and get him minutes this season. He's not going to be a starter for Milan. So what's the benefit? 
Um, Milan also asked about prospective deals for Tanguy Endebele and Sergio Regulon. Well, they've already got a superior left back, so Regulon would be a squad player. Um, so that's only going to be a loan. And Endebele could be really interesting there. Um, but I don't think Milan have that type of money. Uh, Brighton want to sign Florian Grilich, mentioned that earlier. Juventus are discussing the possibility of terminating the contract of Aaron Ramsey. It is about time that that happened. Just for everybody involved, it is time that that happened because he just needs to go somewhere and play a bit of football. Aston Villa and England under-19 under midfielder Carney Chukwemeka is not interested in signing a new deal at Villa with Barcelona and Borussia Dortmund monitoring the 18-year-old situation. I think Gerard has handled this awful, uh, awfully. I think he's handled it terribly. Uh, Aston Villa and Leicester are interested in PSV and Ivory Coast midfielder Ibrahim Sanger. I mean, it'd be an odd one for Villa having signed Kamara. Uh, Kamara. It'd be an odd one for Leicester, given they have Ndidi. I don't think you'd really play Ndidi and Sanger together. He could. He could. It'd be interesting. Uh, I'm just going to throw that one out, though. Um, Bordeaux and South Korea striker Huang Weijo claims he has an offer to join West Ham this summer. Okay. Um, Newcastle are tracking Red Bull Salzburg and Slovenia striker Benjamin Sesko. Toon seem very keen to add a young striker, and Sesko's very, very promising. Um, so he would make sense. QPR have agreed a deal to sign Brighton midfielder Taylor Richards on a loan deal. And Brazil right-back Danny Alves will sign a one-year contract with Mexican side Pumas after leaving Barcelona as a free agent. Uh, I should mention Jesse Lingard has been confirmed as a Nottingham Forest player. It's a one-year contract. Now, there's a lot of different figures being thrown thrown around. Some are saying it's 200 grand a week. Uh, Daniel Taylor has said it's not 200 grand a week, but it is, I think he said, eye-watering. Um, lots of Forest fans are claiming it's 80 grand a week with the possibility of earning 120. That seems unlikely to me because if he was only looking for 80 grand a week, plus bonuses. There's no way he wouldn't be a West Ham player now. I would guess it's somewhere around 140 grand a week. Um, so he'll get seven, just over 7 million for the season and a 7 million pound signing fee. So it's a 14 million pound punt by Forrest. Um, if it doesn't go well, they're not tied to him. So there's nothing really to lose there for Nottingham Forest. Um, he's a good fit behind the two strikers. It would be nice to see him be consistent for a change. As I said earlier in the week, I like that move better for him than for West Ham. I like the move more for Forest than I would have for West Ham as well. Um, so, it, look, it's a, I think it's a good move. Uh, it's... It's a lot of wages for Jesse Lingard. 140 grand a week is a lot of money for Jesse Lingard. He's, he's never really shown himself to be that calibre of player. 
uh, bar the one lone spell at West Ham in front of no fans. But I think what he's doing here, and I could be wrong on this, but he has that offer in his back pocket to go to Saudi Arabia for about 10 million a year. That offer will be there in 12 months. He has offers to go to MLS. Those offers will be there in 12 months. What won't be there in 12 months is the opportunity to make the England squad for the World Cup. And what Lingard most likely is aware of is that he is one of Gareth Southgate's favourites. And that if he's playing and playing well, there's a really good chance Southgate will include him in his squad for the World Cup. So my guess is that he is taking this move in the attempt to make the World Cup squad. And then next summer, he will look to go wherever it is for the most amount of money. Um, just quickly, Norwich midfielder Pierre-Lise Malouz is set to sign for Brest in a deal around, worth around 3.5 million. Medical in France tomorrow, Norwich will look to recruit a replacement in what is expected to be their final signing of the summer. Now, that's from John Percy. So Norwich haven't addressed their lack of a centre-back. Norwich haven't addressed their lack of a backup striker. All they've done is bring in Gabriel Sara and Isaac Hayden on loan. They've loaned out the young uh, Solus, the young winger. They're, they must obviously be banking on keeping Max Aarons, and there's been no, no talk of Aarons going anywhere. Um, so it remains to be seen what happens there. Todd Cantwell's obviously signed on for another year as well. So, look, we'll see what happens with them, but I, I think they're leaving themselves badly short, to be honest. And uh, they're taking a bit of a loss on Lise Malou. Anyway, I'll leave it there. Thanks for listening, folks. I'll see you Monday. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.